welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, we're continuing in our study of the book of Revelation. More specifically, we're going to move now into chapter 3 as we study the final three messages to the churches, the ones located at Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, the fifth message was sent to the church in Sardis. It was a city located some 50 kilometers south of Thyatira. Now, Sardis was built on the top of a steep hill. Because the platform of the bill upon which the city stood eventually became too small for that growing city, the city gradually sp spread down into the valley. It had a splendid history. Some six centuries prior to the writing of the Revelation, Sardis had been one of the greatest cities in the ancient world. It was the capital of the kingdom of Lydia, ruled by wealthy King Croesus, until he was defeated by Cyrus the Great of Persia in the 6th century BC. By the Roman period, the city had lost its prestige. While continuing to enjoy prosperity and wealth, the city's glory and pride was rooted in their past, rather than its present reality. The city was known as a trading center for wool, dyeing, and garment. These industries provided the citizens with a very luxurious lifestyle. Due to its location on a steep hill, the city was a natural citadel, inaccessible except by one route, and as such, was very easy to defend. Now, because of this, the citizens of the city were very arrogant and overconfident that their city walls were carelessly guarded or sometimes not guarded at all. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus introduces himself to the church in Sardis as he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The church is about to receive a strong rebuke from Jesus. However, he comes to it with the fullness of the Holy Spirit to awaken this lifeless church and bring them back to life. The tone Jesus uses to address the church is alarming from the start. The church is not commended for any qualities. It receives only a rebuke. The church has a name to be alive, but it has reached the point of spiritual death. Their works do not measure up to God's standard. Their deeds lack the transforming power of the gospel. 
The Sardians were not blamed for any specific sins or heresy, but for being lifeless. Their real problem was spiritual complacency and lethargy. Their compromise with the pagan environment had killed their spiritual life and their witness for the gospel. And Jesus exhorts them to keep watch and to strengthen those who still have some life in themselves, but, but are ready to die. And, and in the beginning of verse 2 of Revelation 3, he says, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. As with the church in Ephesus, Jesus appeals to them. Remember how they heard. Remember how you received the gospel in the beginning of your Christian walk. And the only way for them to reclaim their devotion to Jesus is to remember and keep fresh in their minds their past experience and apply that to the present because this will then result in repentance and turning away from their present lethargic condition to a new beginning in their relationship with Jesus Christ. However, if they do not wake up and repent, Jesus will come to them in judgment unexpectedly, like, like a thief in the night. There are, however, some in Sardis who are unwavering in their faithfulness to Christ. They have not defiled their clothes by a compromise with paganism. Verse 4 of Revelation 3 says, But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You see, Jesus promises that they will walk with him in white, in white robes, for they are worthy. The white robes correspond to their faithfulness to Christ. The message to the church in, Dar in Sardis fits the condition of the church post-Reformation. The vibrant generation of reformers rediscovered the gospel, that which had been forgotten during the medieval period, and put the Bible back into the hands of the people. New churches were established, and Christianity became rejuvenated. But sadly, once the reformers passed away, lifeless formalism began invading the church. Their successors became more and more involved in doctrinal controversies, gradually degenerating into a state of spiritual lethargy. Toward the end of this period, under the impact of the rising tide of philosophical rationalism and secularism, the church during this time, although appearing to be alive, was in reality spiritually dead. The sixth message was addressed to the church in Philadelphia. It was located some 40 kilometers southeast of Sardis. Philadelphia was the youngest of the seven churches in uh, Revelation 2 and 3. It was situated on a high volcanic plateau in a mountainous region, making it a strong fortress city. Philadelphia was a prosperous city that stood on the imperial trade road connecting all parts east with parts west of the province. It also stood on the major postal road running from Pergamum to Laodicea. Its geographical location made it subject to occasional earthquakes. Now, the most severe one took place in AD 17 and devastated Philadelphia, Sardis, and some of the other surrounding cities. It was rebuilt by the Romans under the Emperor Tiberius. 
the message to Philadelphia begins in Revelation 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God and out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus presents himself as the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. The true one is a reference to God in the Old Testament. The church may rely on him fully. And he has the key of David. This picture of Jesus alludes to Isaiah 22, uh, 22 uh, with regards to Elikim, King Hezekiah's chief steward. He was given the key to the royal palace, therefore exercising the full authority of the king. He is therefore the one with full authority and has access to the heavenly storehouse. So this is why he can make those great promises to his church. In contrast to Sardis, which does not receive any praise from Jesus, the church in Philadelphia does not, any, does not receive any rebuke from Jesus. Jesus knows their works. You have kept my word, have not denied my name. Like the Smyrnians, they also suffer from Jewish opposition. However, Jesus assures them that he is already dealing with their opponents. The day is coming when those who harm you will be forced to admit that God is with them. Although faithful, the church in Philadelphia has little strength. This church is not spiritually strong. Jesus does not point out any specific sin or heresy. Their situation seems to be like Sardis. The appealing influence of the pagan environment has greatly impacted their spiritual life and their witness of the gospel. Yet, as weak as they may be, Jesus promises to set before them an open door of opportunities. He assures this, this weak church that when he opens the door for this weak church, all the power of the enemy will not be able to shut that door. Because you have kept my word with patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. That's Revelation 3 and verse 10. Jesus promises to preserve them during the hour of trial. That is a test 
to those who dwell on the earth. Now, those who dwell on the earth is a regular reference in Revelation to the wicked. This hour of trial is to come upon those who dwell on the earth. This involves the seven last plagues which God will pour out upon those who receive the mark of the beast. Jesus promises to be with the faithful to protect them during this time of trial. You see, the situation of the church in Philadelphia coincided with the situation in Christianity during the 18th and 19th centuries. It's a period characterized by great revival of Protestantism. Various movements revitalized genuine faith in the saving grace of Jesus, Christian fellowship and, and self-sacrifice. And as a result, there was a great advancement of the gospel that had never been experienced. Now, the last of the seven churches to be addressed was the church in Laodicea, located some 60 kilometers southeast of Philadelphia and 160 kilometers east of Smyrna. Laodicea was one of the greatest commercial and financial centers in the ancient world. Laodicea was enormously wealthy. Most of the wealth came from clothing manufacturing and banking. In addition, Laodicea was famous for its medical school, which had a reputation throughout the, the ancient world for its treatment of eye diseases by means of an ointment. So as a result, the citizens of Laodicea were filled with pride. But for all of its prosperity, the, the city had a problem with water. A 10-kilometer-long aqueduct supplied the city with water from the vicinity. So by the time the water arrived at the city, the water was lukewarm. Now this probably provided the backdrop for the metaphoric lukewarmness of the Laodicean church. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, it says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus here presents himself with the threefold designation. These things says the Amen, 
the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now, the word amen comes from the Hebrew and, and basically means in truth. Christ's discerning testimony exposes the true condition of this church and his creative power is able to bring something forth out of nothing. That is the only hope for this half-hearted and lukewarm yet loved by Christ church. This church is in such bad shape that Jesus has nothing positive to say to it. Interestingly, the members are not charged with sin, apostasy, or heresy. But yet no other churches receives such a stern rebuke. Jesus likens the city, the church, to the city's water supply. But the members are, however, blind to their condition. The irony is that they live in a city famous for eye treatment, yet they are spiritually blind. Their self-deluded pride prevents them from seeing themselves as they truly are. And Jesus counsels them to buy three things from him. One, gold refined in fire. According to Peter, gold refined in fire symbolizes a tested, proven faith that can last until the end. This will then truly make them rich. Number two, white garments to cover their wretched condition. White garments symbolize salvation. To be dressed in white garments means to be in a right relationship with God. Number three, eye salve, to anoint their eyes so that they may see their true spiritual condition. They need the discerning influence of the Holy Spirit to open their spiritual eyes so that they may see the true condition on one hand and the true riches of the inheritance Christ makes available to them on the other hand. And the fact that these items are not offered for free it suggests that they must give up something to receive these. You see, they must give up their pride, their complacency, and their self-sufficiency to receive these riches from Jesus Christ. Of the seven churches, only Laodicea and Philadelphia are told by Jesus that they are loved. You see, Jesus has not given up on his church. He does everything to get this church to see its own condition and to break the chains of self-sufficiency that are holding it down. The only remedy for this church is genuine repentance. And so Jesus urges the members, says, turn away from your complacency. Make a fresh start. And Jesus concludes his appeal with, one of the most impressive pictures. He portrays himself standing at the door and knocking. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Up to this point, the whole church is admonished, but now... Jesus addresses individuals in the church. He says, all those who open the door and welcome him will have an intimate, loving dinner with him. Look at verse 21, Revelation 3, 21. 
the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne also as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus promises to share his throne with the overcomers in the Laodicean church. The fulfillment of this promise will be realized after Jesus returns to this earth. It is significant that while the number of promises to the other churches increases in proportion with the decline of their spiritual condition, Laodicea, as bad as it is, is given only one promise. However, this one promise incorporates all other promises given to the churches to sit with Jesus on his throne, which means to have everything. The spiritual condition of the church and Laodicea represents the spiritual condition of the church today. The message to the church in Laodicea was to be the model for the church at the end of the day. This last church exists in peculiar times. It goes through motions of great political and religious and secular upheavals. It faces challenges today that have not been faced by any previous generation. Yet this church is self-sufficient and lukewarm and struggling with its own authenticity. Christ's warning to the church at Laodicea has a far-reaching application for all of us, all of us who are part of the church today in the closing period of this earth's history. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the promise and the vision of Jesus standing at the door of our heart and knocking. And Father, to those hearts that he is knocking on right now, may they hear him, may they open that door, may they invite him in and be blessed by the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the promise to the Laodicean church that we will one day victoriously sit on your throne. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in the program where we have our book offer on each and every program. We'd like to offer you a resource, and we have one today like we do on every program. But before we get to that, just want to give you a heads up that we don't always get the material out to you as quickly as we would like. That's sometimes because uh, we're a small operation. I may be traveling and when I get back to the office, I go about arranging to get all those product out. We sometimes are inundated with requests and we run out of inventory. And so we have to go out and procure new inventory and that takes time. And so, you know, if, if there's been a delay, we apologize for that. We're doing our best to get the material out to you as quickly as we can. If there's something that you requested that hasn't come, email us info at l4ltv.com. Tell us what it is. We're going to do our best uh, to get that out to you in a timely manner. I just ask for your indulgence uh, with us as we do our best to get the material. You know, we are seeing uh, 
exponential increase in the number of people that reach out to us for material. And while that is positive, it does, for a small operation like ours, it does create some difficulty as we try to get the materials out. So just bear with us, we're gonna to get to it. And uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you need to, just email us, hey, I, I requested this, I never got it. It might be that it's just gone out of stock and we're waiting to get that replenished. But if you send us an email, we'll be able to correspond with you and let you know what the status is of, the, of that item. Okay, today's program uh, we have here at The Great Hope. This is a, um, it's, it's a sort of a compilation taken out of a larger book called The Great Controversy. I think one of the greatest books written that gives us this panorama of the church, including some of the turmoil that we discussed here, uh, that, you know, the last days and, and uh, some of that difficulty that the church had during those, you know, the, the, that medieval period. And so I would strongly encourage you to get this and get your hands on it and read it. It's, it's not that big. You can sit down and in, in one sitting, you can read the whole book. Excellent book. It's called Great Hope. We'd love to send it to you as a gift. There's no charge whatsoever. It'll arrive in your home postage paid. If you're interested in securing this copy, pay close attention to the information we're gonna give you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another program. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to remind you of a few things before we go. Our website, l4ltv.com. All of the previous programs are on there. If you go to the previous programs tab, there'll be a button there you can click. It'll take you to every program in this Revelation series that you can, you can re-watch you know, re it. You can refer it to a friend or a family member. You can also donate online. We are a charitable organization. You will get a receipt for income tax purposes. Every penny donated goes right back into the ministry. It doesn't come to me or my family. It goes right back to pay for our expenses, the airtime, the gifts, the studio time, all of that. So we hope that you consider that. Hey, follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m., I put out a short devotional video. Great way to get your day started. Follow me on X at Santos underscore Bill. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page, follow us on SoundCloud. We'll get an audio downloadable version of the program you can carry with you. Before we go very quickly, want you to also visit another website called missionnowcanada.com. It is the humanitarian overseas work that we do. We've got projects going on in uh, Costa Rica and Paraguay, uh, the Philippines. If you're interested in donating to those or even participating in those projects, check out missionnowcanada.com.
www.thepressingmoment.com. That's about it. And they're not even pressing me to wrap up. Look at that. So I must have must be operating within the time constraints they gave me. So thank you so much for being here. We hope to get a chance to do this again next time. We hope you will join us. God bless you. We'll see you then.